You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is time. They can't be the Packers. Are you crazy? No. You're listening to Cheese and Packers. Project powered by the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm your host, JJ Leahy. Good morning, everybody. My alarms don't work anymore on my phone. I don't know what's going on. Yesterday, I was supposed to go meet a buddy for breakfast. Redoing that this morning. Poor guy went and sat at the uh, restaurant by himself for a while, and I never showed up because my alarm never went off. It did, it just went off silently. Well, this morning, I had set an alarm. <laughs> You know, and you can put labels on there, right? And I, I put little labels on my alarms sometimes when I'm like, I need the extra juice. And the alarm for this morning said, go record your podcast right now or you're not doing one this week. thought that would give me the extra incentive to get up on time. But I never saw it. It never went off. Fortunately, my daughter fussed all night long. And um, so I was wide awake uh, when it was time to go start the podcast. So here we go. I want to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Or, I don't know, maybe it's the good, the meh, and the ugly. As it pertains to the 2022 Green Bay Packers. And believe it or not, there is not any room in there for Aaron Rodgers' claims. Ayahuasca is not a drug because it's made from a plant. And predicts he'll be called again to take it. Isn't isn't marijuana a drug? I that definitely comes from a plant. I, I feel like many drugs come from plants. Oh, what else is new? Kurt Bankert is a 49er now. Doesn't really matter to me. Mike Evans is appealing his suspension, his one week suspension. And we're supposed to get the judgment handed down in that, I think, today, Wednesday. We'll see. The Bucks are actually, at this point, down kind of a lot of players. Uh, Keem Hicks is supposed to be out. Um, Josh Wells. Probably haven't heard of him because I wasn't super familiar with him. Um, but he is a backup tackle for them. 
And as uh, Ryan pointed out, this probably puts Fred Johnson in as their starting tackle. You like to see that. The, the injury reports aren't out yet, so I don't even know who all is going to miss this game yet. But people are saying Chris Godwin is out. Mike Evans, of course, possibly suspended for one week. I mean, he is suspended, but he's appealing it. Um, Julio, people are saying Julio won't play. I think he probably will. Um, Levante David did not practice on Friday before the game, but looks like he did play. This is not injury-related. Um, again, no Akeem Hicks. Uh, they're down to like their seventh-string tackles. I'm just saying, we're, this is kind of a shell of a Buccaneers team coming in. So, Packers need to capitalize on this. They really do. you got to start the season off 2-1. and one. Uh, The Bills are coming. They look fantastic. Um, I still do think that we match up nicely with the Bills, but also there's, um, you know, match up uh, be danged. There's just also an element of when you're good, you're good. Doesn't matter how how well you match up. Bills are cooking. Um, I I think the Packers should be contenders in that game. I'm really not taking anything for granted. And the Giants have looked weirdly good. I don't I I don't think they're good, but it's also early enough in the season that if they were good, we wouldn't quite know it yet. Put it this way: if the Giants secretly were good this year. It would kind of look a little bit like this. Oh, and I forgot the Patriots are in there. Uh, Patriots looks like the early week four betting lines, according to uh, Clayton, have the Packers six-point favorites over the Patriots. But uh, Akeem Hicks is almost certainly missing this game. Um, Going to miss a few games. So I just th- this is a game we need to win. Um, if you listen to No Huddle Radio, you know I've been... Um, pretty high on our chances for the Buccaneers game, kind of since the beginning. Um, obviously, this injury news helps us, but um, <clears throat> we're about to do the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'm going to talk about some stuff with the Packers that does concern me, that didn't previously concern me, that has me feeling a little bit more pessimistic about this team than I was in the uh, offseason. So we'll see. Let's just do this. The good, the bad, the ugly. Let's start with the good. The Packers won, and they won by pounding the rock. Uh, The offensive line did a phenomenal job run blocking. I really like to see that. And um, a big part of what I thought made the day successful was a return to some more creative play calling from Matt LaFleur. There were times when this offense looked a lot to me like the 2019 offense. Obviously, a big factor of that is um, Aaron Jones. Uh, he was kind of the face of the offense in 2019. That's what it lo- looked like again against the Bears. Um, I, I do kind of miss that. Aaron Rodgers was talking to Pat McAfee, and he said the goal is always to get 28 and 33 the ball. Would be nice to get them a number of touches in the 15 range at least for each of them. Jones had 15 carries. Dylan had 18 carries. Another thing that I think is starting to work is the wide receivers. I do. Randall Cobb looks good. 
Um, Sammy Watkins, um, there were a couple of times on some uh, broken plays. I thought Kyler Gordon had a freaking horrible day. But there were a couple of times, uh, one in particular, where he made a catch. And I was impressed with his release. I was impressed with the route he ran. And up until the moment he had the ball in his hands, I saw Devontae. I don't get carried away. I'm, I'm not saying that he's a, a super talented. What, what I'm pointing out is the difference between how he ran and how the rookies are running. I thought Sammy Watkins reminded me of Devontae Adams up until the moment when he has the ball in his hands and he's trying to break that last tackle and have a shot at the end zone. And in that moment, I said, Devontae would have scored on that play. He would have at least shaken that tackle and made up to the next level and, and maybe got brought down by the uh, safety before the play was over. It's possible. But it was interesting to me watching the shake, watching the route that he ran, the, the quick decisiveness. And you're not seeing that from Dobbs or Watson because they're young. They don't, you know, this, they haven't been doing it as long. But it was interesting. I think uh, Lazard obviously still getting up to speed, but Lazard, Cobb, and um, and Sammy, that's your trio, and they're going to work in the rookies a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, increase the role for them, find creative ways to get them the ball, take advantage of their athleticism. You know, we're we're seeing Christian Watson used on these end rounds, and stressing the defense, his speed is pulling the defense apart sideline to sideline. I'm interested to see what that looks like against Tampa. They got two really fast linebackers there, Devin White and Levante David. I'm curious how successful that play is over there. Consider, if you will, stretching the defense sideline to sideline with Christian Watson. And you don't even have to hand him the ball every time, but you do it a few times a game. You're stretching the ball stretching the defense apart, um, east and west. Also, send Sammy or send Romeo streaking down the sideline, stretch the defense vertically. You're going to open up so many holes in the middle for Aaron Jones, Randall Cobb, um, Al Nazar to get open. Tunyon. Or A.J. Dillon. Oh, come on. Come on. Don't tell me that this play doesn't make sense. You're stretching the defense sideline to sideline with Christian Watson, stretching it deep with Sammy or Romeo. And the guy that nobody expects to catch the pass, even though he has fantastic hands, AJ Dillon, he goes out and runs a route, boom, wide open across the middle. Come on. You know, you know that would work. More good is getting Elton Jenkins back. I thought he had a really, really terrible day, but that's fine. I don't have high expectations or high demands from a guy playing his first football game after that missing that much time. Um, uh, it was exciting to have him out there. I'll see him continue to um, find his old form again. And allegedly, we're getting David Bakhtiari back again this week or next week. Again, I'm not holding my breath. We'll see when that actually happens. But that's what they keep telling us is going to happen. 
one more good thing. Special teams has looked better to the eyeballs. I will say they're not grading out well. They, we have the second worst uh, special teams grades uh, in the NFL right now, ahead of only the Dolphins. What are we doing well? We have more tackles than missed tackles. That's good. Uh, we have uh, some decent gunners for the first time. Rudy Ford is doing a fantastic job as a gunner. Uh, the veterans who are playing, many of them are grading out quite well. A uh, few of them are not. Uh, Devondre Campbell continues to grade out quite poorly on special teams. Dallin Lovett, I have thought, has not looked good. Uh, Keyshawn Nixon is not playing well. But Isaiah McDuffie has been an ace. Um, Rasul has been playing well on special teams. Patrick Taylor, he was elevated for this game. He went out and he made a difference. To my eyes, the field goal protection has been better than it has been. I, I still don't think it's perfect, but it's better than it has been. Another plus, uh, I think Quay Walker is playing pretty well. I think he's kind of the only rookie who's really playing well so far. Uh, I guess Romeo Dobbs is doing pretty good. And um, Kingsley and Nagbar, he only played four snaps in this game, all on run defense, but he did a good job in run defense, which is encouraging to me because I have been saying all along that my concern for him this year is that he, ha he doesn't have that run defense in him yet. He's just a pure pass rusher, so I like seeing that he seems to figure out the run defense part of it. So there's a lot of good. The Packers cleaned up a lot from week one to week two. They have answered some of the questions, or at least started to answer some of the questions we had all offseason. Again, I really think that the receivers are good enough. I'm, I'm just not that worried. I think Sammy Watkins is going to be a bigger contributor than a lot of folks anticipated. Uh, Randall Cobb, we all kind of forgot about. He still has something left in the tank. Um, still have to see what Alan Zard can do as he continues to um, work his way back from his foot injury. I still think Romeo Dobbs is going to end up having the bigger impact on this season. I think he's going to have more targets. Christian Watson's athleticism, though, is something that I, I like to see that Matt LaFleur is utilizing it. All right. I, I, I like seeing that. I still think Christian Watson is not playing very well yet, but that will come. He's a good kid. He's a hard worker. He has that freakish athleticism. Uh, Rodgers likes him. Rodgers has given him uh, a lot of grace and extra chances. He's going to continue to improve. Let's talk about some of the bad. I already touched on the schedule, but I do think it's worth noting that the Packers' schedule for the next few weeks makes it tough. Just because you don't want to start the season in a big hole. So if you if you can't manage to beat this depleted Buccaneers team, you're looking at a 1-2 and two record to start the season, which is disappointing. Uh, the Patriots are good in the trenches on both sides of the ball. The Giants stink, but it's a weird game in London. I just think that it's likely, given how the Packers work, I think it's likely that we drop one of those three games. Buccaneers, Patriots, or Giants. I, I just I, th I think we drop one of them. Individually, I would bet on the Packers to win all three. But collectively as a group, 
this is the kind of gauntlet that the Packers will tend to drop one weird game in here. So if I had to put my money on one, I would say the Buccaneers, just because the Packers uh, might have a mental block about the Buccaneers uh, because of 2020. After that stretch, if they can get through that three-game stretch unscathed, you have two games to boost your record up. So you're three and two. You get the Jets and the Commanders. You have to win both of those. You're five and two or six and one heading into the Bills game on October 30th. Right now, on paper, I'm saying the Bills win that game. We got to see what version of the Bills is there. We got to see what version of the Packers is there by that point. I think the Packers offense will really be rolling. And then you're following that up with the Lions who, as of right now, look pretty darn good. Terrible defense, but that offense, I mean, right now they are the, what, the tied for the second best offense in the in the NFL, which is, is it surprising? I think it's somewhat surprising, but they got a darn good offensive line. Great weapons at the, at the receiving positions. I think their running backs stink. I think their quarterback is not good. The Lions we should be able to beat, but coming off the Bills game, are the Lions a trap game? I They would have to be. It's a classic trap game right here. Anyways, I'm nitpicking. This is, this is not the category of, hey, here's stuff you should be panicking about. This is, I wanted to talk about the schedule, and I couldn't slot the schedule in under good, so it went under bad. So, more bad. Remember, we're not to the ugly yet. Bad is, here's stuff you need to fix right now, but I'm not super concerned about it so under the bad we got to put the sloppiness with the football you had three fumbles in this game do you remember the third one you remember the two there was a third but Amari Rogers recovered his own fumble and safely carried the ball out of bounds the other two I think both cost us probably a combined 10 points uh, maybe 14 There's a lot of mental mistakes with this team right now. They're sloppy. I think that's going to be a major emphasis for LaFleur. I think that's going to get cleaned up. More bad. I still don't like that we only have two running backs. I know that we have Patrick Taylor on the practice squad. But I, with the amount that they're trying to run the ball, it seems weird and kind of stupid to me that we only have two running backs on the roster. I don't understand that. I really thought we were going to go try and get a free agent. I mean, are we we really banking on the return of Kylan Hill, who hasn't played football in any serious capacity for two years, and then, you know, played at the level that made him a seventh-round pick? Like, you can like Kylan all you want, but argue with what I just said. And that doesn't even take into account the fact that he's coming off a major injury. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here, and then when we get back, uh, we're going to continue some of the uh, bad slash meh, and then we're going to get into the ugly of the 2022 Green Bay Packers through two games. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. 
In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Okay, I'm actually coming back to this hours later it's uh, early afternoon we got the word in mike evans suspension has not been lifted so that's fantastic news uh, and a couple other little bits of news <clears throat> uh, tampa is gonna wear of course they're gonna wear their light uniforms again so we'll be wearing our dark homes down there in the florida heat um you know just typical great sportsmanship from tampa woohoo that's okay. We just need to man up and deal with the heat. In other news that fits in perfectly with the bad segment that we're doing right now, Matt LaFleur says, I have no idea if David Bakhtiari will play with this week. Quote, I don't let my mind go there at this point. When asked if he needs to know anything for game planning, LaFleur said he won't game plan any different because he thinks Yash has done a good job at starting for us. Uh, also, Randall Cobb will be added to the injury report. Don't know uh, what the injury is yet, but he did not practice. Neither did Bakhtiari. So it looks like uh, the Buccaneers are going to be employing Russell Gage and Cole Beasley, plus possibly Julio if he can come back from the knee injury. Chris Godwin sounds like he's still going to be out dealing with his hamstring injury. So... You know, bucks thin at receiver. So something else that we could put into the bad or meh category would be where the offensive line is right now. The pass blocking overall for the Packers um, averages out to a 65.1 after two games. That is 12th best in the league. The run blocking is uh, not quite as good. Uh, we are 21st in the league with a 59.6. And the interesting thing is, like, it's not really what you would think based on watching the game. You wouldn't think that's where the grades are. Um, John Runyon is killing it in pass pro. He's got an 88.6. Yash Nyman is at 84.7. Those two guys are really boosting up the pass blocking grade of the entire offensive line. Also, getting Jake Hansen out of there massively boosts the entire unit. Uh, Zach Tom didn't do a good job pass blocking when he was in there, but Jake Hansen was infinitely worse. I mentioned last week that he had a 0.0 pass blocking grade in true pass sets, which I've never seen before, but that's a thing. And Elton, I think we absolutely can extend some, uh, you know, some sort of a grace period to him of like, look, you know, you're ramping up. Clearly not 
um, where you need to be yet, but that's okay. It's understandable um, as long as you continue to get better. Royce Newman seems to have taken a pretty big step back from where he was last year. Um, through two games, he has a uh, overall grade of 53.6, which is right where about in line with where he was through the first nine games of last year. You know, the bad stretch. Which included that uh, disastrous Kansas City game where he had a 28.4 pass blocking grade. <laughs> Such a joke. Uh, the rest of the year, he kind of turned it up, and although he was benched for the playoff game, uh, a decision that I, of course, didn't fully understand, from weeks 10 through 18, he did quite well, particularly in pass pro. Actually, the whole 2021 class uh, together have all seemed to take a step back from last year. Nobody's grading out well at all. By far... The highest graded 2021 player is Josh Myers. His overall grade is a 60.6, but that does include a 70.2 pass blocking grade. It's the only encouraging thing you're going to see anywhere on here. Um, I think Eric Stokes was better than he's uh, gotten credit for. In the Chicago game, he was targeted five times, allowed four catches for 58 yards, no touchdowns. No penalties. He did have one tackle for a loss. Six tackles overall. But if we go through the rest of the draft class, um, Eric Stokes, uh, Josh Myers, Amari Rogers, I think is not playing real well. I mean, obviously, um, I, I don't need to rehash the fact that he's in the doghouse with Rogers and the offense. That's been covered by everybody else, so... If you haven't heard it, you're living under a rock. Go find somebody else talking about that. Of course, he had the fumble on the return. Um, I think that he has regressed a bit from where he appeared to be in the preseason, uh, where he was at the end of last season as a returner. I'm really not liking what I'm seeing. Looking at the rest of the draft class, Royce Newman uh, right now clearly seems to be the weak link on the offensive line. Uh, I think easily the worst starting offensive lineman that we have. TJ Slayton, if you believe it, he's got a 42.6 overall grade. There's really nothing he's doing well. He has registered zero quarterback pressures. He has a 21.2 tackling grade. He has uh, zero tackles but two missed tackles. There's not one positive encouraging thing about what he's done through two games. It's just two games. He's just a second-year player. He's a defensive tackle. Yep, I acknowledge all that. I'm not panicking. I'm just saying he has not done one positive, encouraging thing yet. It doesn't get any prettier. Did you know that Shamar Jean Charles is not playing right now? Zero snaps on defense. Okay, makes sense. We got three corners you like. Um, 13 total snaps on special teams. He's got a 41.8 special teams grade down from a 62.9 special teams grade last year. He's recorded zero tackles. Of course, there's also zero missed tackles, but he's just not showing up on the stat sheet on special teams either. And in 13 snaps, you know, how can you blame him? 13 snaps? I mean, gosh, we're only two games in. I mean, how, how many snaps could he have played on special teams? I mean, have we had more than 13 special team snaps? Yeah, Tyler Davis leads the team in special team stats, Snaps, sorry, with 37. 
So Shamar is out there, has been out there for a total of one third of our special team snaps. How about Isaiah McDuffie? He is one of the few Packers uh, who has a good tackling grade, 73.5. He does have one tackle and zero missed tackles on defense. Uh, that is on a total of six defensive snaps. So one tackle on six snaps. Yeah, it's not terrible. Where he is showing up, though, is on special teams. He is uh, tied with Tipa and Dallin Levitt for the second most uh, special team snaps at 31. He has a 73.7 special teams grade, has one tackle, zero missed tackles. So um, Isaiah McDuffie is showing up. Of course, Cole Van Lannen traded to the Jaguars, and Kylan Hill still on pup, but I think uh, you're still not panicking about your second-year players not making a big impact, just like you shouldn't panic about your rookies not making a big impact. But I, I would like to see more than what we've seen so far. A lot of these guys are not getting any opportunities at all, and when they do get opportunities, they really don't look good. Again, it's not panic time. Uh, year three is when I want. I mean, that's that's go time. Year three is go time. That's when I want to see these guys pop. So we talked about the good, and there's a lot of good, a lot of reason to be excited about this season. Uh, Aaron Rodgers looks good. I think the receivers look better than we expected. I like Matt LaFleur's play calling a lot better. Uh, we seem to be getting healthier uh, through the first two games. Uh, Chris Barnes did get injured, and now Randall Cobb has some sort of an injury that we're going to find out about. But we are healthier now than we were at the start of the season. That's an encouraging trend. We just touched on several things from the, the meh, the bad, the short-term bad stuff that just needs to get cleaned up right now. Uh, we talked about sloppiness, talked about special teams, talked about some of the issues along the offensive line. I still think that the offensive line is potentially a long-term issue, but again, so much of that hinges on Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari, and that's still such an unknown. But I don't like marching into Tampa Bay with this offensive line because Tampa knows how to shut down our offense. They know how to do it. You bring a lot of pressure on Aaron Rodgers, make him uncomfortable. They have the horses to do it. We don't have the horses to slow them down. Let's talk about the ugly. This is the stuff that actually concerns me that I think could be a problem year long. Uh, one year ago, easily the first thing I would have talked about was special teams. In fact, if you listen to my podcast, No Huddle Radio on PackersTalk.com, I ranted about the special teams uh, all the way back in the preseason, and I never stopped the entire season long. I was furious about the special teams. Of course, injuries last year was the other massive thing. Well, I have a couple of things this year that are different, thankfully. I like talking about new problems instead of old problems. So I'm going to touch on this one first run defense. We saw what happened with David Montgomery, who I will maintain really is not that great of a running back. Uh, I think he's the second best running back on his own team. He's not terrible. He's, you know, he's a quality RB1 in this league, but nothing special. All right. You're going to face a lot more lethal running backs this season than just David Montgomery. And the Packers absolutely let him shred their defense. Uh, they had back-to-back -back runs, one by David Montgomery for 28 yards and immediately followed that up by a 27-yarder to Khalil Herbert, 55 yards in just two plays, and it didn't end there. 
Montgomery had 122 yards total. Green Bay allowed 6.7 yards per carry. Last year, they were the 30th worst team in run defense on the season. They allowed 4.7 yards uh, per carry. Remember the way that uh, Nick Chubb in particular gashed us. So Gutekunst responded by rebuilding the defensive line, brought in Jared Reed, who had, I think, a much uh, greater reputation than his level of play warranted, but I still was excited about having him in the room. Uh, drafted Devontae Wyatt and Quay Walker. And I think through two games, I think Quay has been quite good. I think he's easily the, the most impressive and most exciting rookie we have. And the Packers are playing a ton of two linebacker sets. Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker are out there on nearly every snap. How has all of this materialized into better run defense? Well, we have improved from 30th in the league to 29th. Uh, with an even worse yards per carry so far, 5.56 up from 4.7. And only Carolina has allowed more carries of 10-plus yards. They have 11, we have 10. Kingsley and Agbar has played nine snaps in run defense, so keep that in mind. Not very many snaps, but he has a 72.9 run defense grade that is uh, best on the team by a mile. Second best is Rashawn Gary at 64.2. That is not good. Quay Walker is in third place with 62.1, and after that, uh, nobody has higher than a 60. Um, it's not good. The Buccaneers are an extremely pass-heavy team, but they don't have most of their uh, receiving weapons this Sunday. You know they're going to man up and run the ball. Can the Packers slow them down and force them to throw to their no-name receivers? Well, this dovetails really perfectly with the next point that I have under the ugly that really concerns me for this season. The tackling has been absolutely atrocious. Here are some good players on the defense with bad tackling grades. Jair Alexander, 38.4 tackling grade. Uh, he's a 75.7 overall. His run defense is 53.8. I have a lot of Jair concerns, but we'll see how that materializes. I'm not ready to panic after just two weeks. The great Jaron Reed has an impressive 28.4 tackling grade. Adrian Amos, 26.4. I already told you TJ Slayton is at a 21.2. Preston Smith, for all the pressures he's generating in his pass rush, he has a 28.6 pass rush grade. Darnell Savage, uh, still struggling from last year. I think he's uh, had, so far appears to have regressed even from last year. He's got a 42.2 tackling grade eric stokes 46.1 devondre campbell this is one that breaks my heart 46.5 what made devondre campbell special last year was his tackling so far this year he has a 15 percent missed tackle rate three missed tackles uh, he has 10 tackles on the season with seven assists the missed tackles are really piling up uh, Devondre Campbell and Preston Smith both lead the team with three missed tackles. TJ Slayton, Eric Stokes, Jair Alexander, Dan Darnell Savage, Jaron Reed, and Adrian Amos all have two apiece. Quay Walker and Rashawn Gary have one. 
And if you look at who's left on the list, who has played a substantial number of snaps, I'm talking basically just talking like double digits or more, you're left with three guys who have zero missed tackles and who have played. Uh, actually, the cutoff is pretty drastic. I was thinking it was going to need to be like 20 or more, but actually it's 67 or more. Sorry, 63 or more. Rasul Douglas, Dean Lowry, and Kenny Clark are tackling machines. They all have good tackling grades. Um, none of them have good run defense grades. But those three guys, plus Quay Walker, who does have one missed tackle, are kind of the only run defending options we have out there. Nobody else is really getting the job done. Even Rashawn Gary, who is the next guy up, but there's a pretty substantial gap between Quay Walker and Rashawn Gary there. Look, a good defense is a defense that tackles well. And the Packers are not tackling well. They have to get this cleaned up. And I just, I've watched football long enough, and particularly Packers football long enough. This is not typically the kind of thing that gets cleaned up in a season. All right, teams that don't tackle well tend to keep not tackling well. This has to be priority 1A for Joe Barry uh, in practice, is get these bums to start making their tackles. David Montgomery had eight broken tackles, not missed tackles, but just broken tackles on Sunday. And to be honest, I mean, it seemed like six of them came on just one play. The other thing that has me concerned about the defense, there's not a lot of depth. Obviously, this is this is not new information, but there's not a lot of depth behind our top two pass rushers. Okay, well, that's fine. We, we, we kind of knew that, but let's... Put a little bit of context on it. The top seven pass rushing defenders on this team from a grade standpoint include only two edge rushers. So Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Darnell Savage, Chris Barnes, and even Jaron Reed are all above the third edge rusher. You care to guess who the third edge rusher is? It's Kingsley and Nagbar who has played three Pass rush snaps. Three. Only five players total have registered pressures on opposing quarterbacks. And only two of them were pass rushers. Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, and Jaron Reed all have at least two pressures. Nobody else even has one. Sacks. There are three players who have sacks. Preston, Rashawn, and Kenny Clark. Quarterback hits. Uh, it's the same guys, plus expand it to include two hits from Dean Lowry that didn't turn into sacks. And then hurries. You have one more name to add to the list again, and it is uh, Jaron Reed, who again has two. Pass rush win rate. This is a stat that uh, you may know I really hate. I don't think it's a very good stat. But just some more context. Only five players on the defense have ever won a pass rush rep. So you got five players who have more than a 0% pass rush win rate. Kenny Clark at a whopping 27.5%, Ben Preston Smith at 24.4, Rashawn Gary at 20.9, Dean Lowry at 15, and Jaron Reed at 7.7. Tipa has not played any pass rush snaps at all. It's been Preston and Rashawn plus... Uh, let's see here, three snaps from Kingsley and Agbar and seven from Jonathan Garvin. The edge rusher depth is every bit as bad as we thought it would be and maybe a good deal worse. 
way too much pressure is having to come from uh, DBs and the defensive tackles. Basically, we're in a point right now where we cannot rot- rotate Preston and Rashawn off the field. This is something I was super concerned about all offseason, and I thought I probably was hyping it up too much. Through two games, I would say I didn't hype it up enough. Really want to see if this gets cleaned up. I think it absolutely has to if we want to go anywhere this season. Uh, the defense on paper is is pretty good. And I think they did an admirable job against uh, both the Bears and even the Vikings, to be honest. I know that Justin Jefferson gashed us a bunch of times, and it looked really bad. But honestly, if he was getting that wide open on every play, the Vikings should have put up 40-plus points. They put up 23. 23 points is not that much. The rest of the day, I think the defense did a good job against the Vikings. The problem is we are exactly as thin as we feared. We're getting a tiny bit of contribution from Devontae Wyatt. He has uh, been in on seven pass rush plays so far. He's got a 53.8 pass rush grade, no pressures. Um, I mean, on seven snaps, uh, I think you're expecting maybe one pressure tops. So I'm not really that concerned about that. But we have to find some depth. I, I think it's absolutely essential that the front office brings in a third pass rusher. Garvin is not cutting it. I don't know that any of us ever thought that he would. Uh, Tipa isn't even being given opportunities. It can't just be the Preston and Rashawn show. You saw what happened in the Bears game when we started pulling any of our defensive starters along the line. They started gashing us in a huge way, so... Uh, these are the areas where I actually have long-term concern for the Packers. Uh, I think it does kind of all start with that defensive line. And this is maybe uh, feels like an even bigger issue because we thought the defensive line was going to be such a strength in the uh, preseason. And it turns out that it really is not a strength at all. Jaron Reed isn't doing anything. Um, it's all Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry on the interior. And then it's just Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith on the outside. Nobody else is contributing in any way uh, along the defensive line. Nobody. So I think we're a good defense. I think that if we want to be a great defense, we have to start wrapping up and tackling better. And if we want to stay even a good defense, we need to have more depth. You have to give Rashawn and Preston a break. They can't play every single snap. Eric Stokes, Jair Alexander, Darnell Savage, Devondre Campbell, and Adrian Amos have all played 103 defensive snaps. So if I had to guess, that would be basically the entirety of all of our defensive snaps. That's, is that all three corners? It's two corners, a linebacker, and two safeties. So those five guys are out there every single defensive snap. 103. Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary are next up. With 90 and 85 defensive snaps. That is insanity. And it's not sustainable. It's not even close to sustainable. All right, the closest I can find here is in 2019, Zadarius Smith played the fifth most snaps on the defense, uh, but it was still 200 fewer snaps than uh, Blake Martinez, Adrian Amos, and Jair Alexander. Last year, The most snaps taken by an edge rusher was Preston Smith. 
he had the most, the eighth most snaps on the team. He had 732, uh, three, 400 snaps, nearly 400 fewer snaps than Adrian Amos. We have to give these guys a break. And what in the world are you going to do if Rashawn or Preston misses a game or two? To me, this is priority 1A. I'm, I'm kind of sick of hearing people talk about the wide receivers. I think that's stupid. I, I understand the concerns. I understand the offense didn't look good in week one. But you can scheme guys open. There are things you can do. You can't manufacture pressure along the defense without good edge rushers. We have to bring in more help. And and, and last year, the defense had a, uh, a good stretch when Whitney Merciless was in there. And you had at least three edge rushers you could be rotating in and out of there. The second we went back to just uh, Rashawn and Preston, the defense fell off, man. And our, our basically our worst game of the year uh, against the Vikings, we didn't have uh, Rashawn that game. He was out with an arm injury. It was just Preston. I, I hate to tell you this, but we are one tweak away from being right back there with just one edge rusher out there on the field. Okay, I've ranted enough. Uh, I think uh, looking at this Bucks game, look, the Bucks are favored by one and a half points at home. So basically, uh, it's dead. They're, they're view, Vegas is viewing it as um, a dead even match on a neutral field. I think the Packers have what it takes to win the game, but I question whether they want it as much as the Bucks do. I think the Bucks might want this win more than the Packers do. We'll see. I think Tampa is limping enough right now that if the Packers bring their A game and play to the best of their ability, they should smoke the Bucks. It shouldn't even be close. You should be able to shut down that offense with ease and give yourself all day long to run up the score on offense. But you have to protect the football better than you did last week. You have to communicate better than you did two weeks ago on defense. And you have to wrap up and start tackling better. Because, look, Leonard Fournette is not a good football player. He's just not. And that offensive line is decimated. But they run with a purpose. And if the Chicago freaking Bears can run the ball down your throats, Tampa can too. It's up to the Packers players to do a better job when they're on the field. I get that it's going to be hot. I get that you're tired. I get that there's not a lot of depth. And so you're having to play too many snaps and... and uh, you know, we can't, don't feel like we can rotate in some of these crappy depth players. But Tom Brady and this offense do not have what it takes to beat you by being better. They can only beat you by wanting it more and by playing a clear game. That's all I gotta say. I'm getting out of here. You guys have a fantastic day. Go back, go.